Hey, this is Mateo Lane. I'm Emma Wilman. And this is Inside the Closet. Inside the Closet. <laughs> okay, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Inside the Closet. Um, this is Mateo. Uh, it's Emma here. I hope I sound okay. I was having some mic problems, but if I sound weird, it's that. <laughs> and we have a guest. We have a special guest, our friend, Trana Winter. Trana Winter. I'm Trana, so happy to be back. I miss you both. You might Likewise. be our most frequent and loved guest, so we're happy to have you back on the show. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy in this moment of darkness. Yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going to get to Mariah's book in a minute. <laughs> which I have a question. Have you both read that book? Sorry, yeah. Okay. I read it. I got it. The day it came out, like there was no way that I could wait a single minute. I actually biked through the rain to go to the bookstore and get the book. So Just it was for, a very Mariah moment. Yeah. Just um, for dramatic effect. You waited. Exactly. You like were waiting till it started raining. It's sunny out. You're like, no, no, not dramatic enough. <laughs> and then, yeah, I finished it really quickly. Um, I just genuinely, I mean, it's not like a, a difficult or challenging read. So, mm. you know, it, it reads quite quickly, but I also just genuinely couldn't put it down. Yeah, the book is, so there, there's a couple things here. The book, the book itself is a good book. Um, she admits to writing it with, um, what's her, Davis, what's her name? Angela Davis? Michaela she, Angela Davis. Yes, that's who she co-wrote it with. So I, Mariah is a writer herself. She writes songs, but obviously, if any of us wrote a book, I would, we'd probably all need help. I mean, I don't know how to write a book. Um, I was afraid at first, because Tran and I have been talking about this now for months, and they were sending, she would like post snippets of the book on her mm. Instagram, but the way it was edited, edited in the Instagram post was as if each page was like three sentences, like the <laughs> font was huge. I was like, oh, this is like, yeah, this is gonna be ridiculous. Because months previous, Mariah had posted a picture of the actual manuscript. So just this giant stack of pages. So it was like really exciting. It was like War and Peace Mariah edition, you know? <laughs> and then as Mateo said, like when she posted this picture on Instagram that looked like it was from the book and the font size was like 18, it was like really disappointing, but they were just doing that so people could actually read it on Instagram. The actual book is in a totally normal size font. Yes. I mean, that would have been real, <laughs> real, real passive aggressive cheap of her if like each page was one word and she was trying to, that's like when you're, they say in high school, like the, yes. uh, it needs to be 52, it needs to be five <laughs> pages. So it's like 52 font. Exactly. Where, did, where does the book start? Like, is it going way back into her childhood? Yeah. It really starts at the beginning and her childhood is really the bulk of the book. I would say it's, it's like a third of the book is really rooted in her childhood and even in the chapters about her adult life, she's constantly going back to her inner child. So it mm. really is, you know, that inner child is so much a part of her entire story. Yeah, who is, I think- Who is the inner child? Um, it's, the, it's the wounded, neglected, abused Mariah mm. that Which she's is kept secret for so long. Like Mariah, 
if I mean, I think I've seen every interview she's ever done throughout her entire career, and she's Same. always been so guarded and so cagey. Um, but I think at the same time, and I never fully realized this, but in the book, she uses lyrics from her songs to show where the inspiration came from. And so, you know, throughout her entire career, Mariah has been telling us her story, but it's always been very coded and sort of hidden, you know? And, and there are some songs of hers that really don't have much to do with her experience. So I think it's always been hard to know what is coming from something real and what is not. So to have the story just all sort of laid out very clearly now just makes everything make more sense. Mm. Yeah, I as a lamb, or as I used to call Mariah's fans, enablers, I think that <laughs> this was a book, I was nervous when it came out because I thought, how, you know, is this going to be a fluff piece? Is this going to be something to sort of make Mariah seem even more grand than she really is? But I was really mm. taken aback by the amount of honesty that she shares about her childhood. And it's, it's, it's not so much about, well, she came from a broken home and she had interracial parents, a, a black father, an Irish mother. Uh, obviously in the 60s, that was very taboo. I think even illegal. I mean, she spoke about how her mother would have to buy the house in her mother's name because her father, if he was to show up, they just wouldn't have given them the house. Um, Where but did they it talked about the dysfunction in her family and I didn't understand. I knew about the sister, the sister who, her name is Allison and she was a prostitute and had a, you know, worked for a pimp and all this stuff. I didn't know about the brother and I didn't know about the relationship with her mother that was so tempestuous and evidently full of a lot of jealousy because her mother was trying to be a singer as well. Where did she grow up? I know I, I, now I want to get the book, but where, I don't know even know where she grew up. In Long Island. Oof. Yeah. She had about, now I, a lot of this I saw on the Oprah show and she talked to her mother talked about how they moved from house to house. I think 13 different homes Yeah, because their dogs were poisoned. Uh, someone shot a gun through their window. Um, you know, just, being from an interracial family, especially at that time, was not, people just didn't see it. And I, I don't know about you, Trana, but I felt like I, I almost started crying at a lot of moments in her book, specifically in her childhood, due to difficulties she dealt with specific to race. Right. You know, mm -hmm. the, the teachers laughing at her for using a brown marker to color her father in when they were illustrating her family because they didn't know she was mixed. I mean, that story was hmm. so intense. And it was, I, that particular story didn't make me totally emotional because I think that it was just on this level that was almost absurd because it's so hard to believe that there could be teachers that were like laughing at her. Like I just, hmm. it, I just couldn't, I mean, I, of course I believe her beyond horrible, but it's just, I don't know, it was so shocking. Um, but I, I cried at a few different parts in the book, which surprised me. I really didn't think that I was going to because I guess as part of the promotional campaign for the book, Mariah was sending her book to like a bunch of Instagram influencers and other celebrities who were posting these like unboxing videos of like receiving this package from Mariah. And with the book, she included a like Mariah Carey blinged out box of tissues. Um, but oh, I really kinda... did... 
I really did cry. And I really wasn't expecting to. I think there was this one point where she was talking about the only boyfriend that her mom had that she actually really liked. And he also had his own share of difficulties and, and hardships, but she seemed to really have this connection with him. And there was this part in the book where she just sort of is like, I hope that no matter where he is, he's doing okay and that he knows that I'm doing okay. And that just really got to me. You know, this like this person that was only part of her childhood for a brief moment, you know, that she really cared about. And I don't know, it's, it's, I just never thought that we would get this glimpse into the details of Mariah's life. Again, because she's been so guarded. And even with the sister, like we, a lot of the lambs have known for a long time that they have a really fraught and difficult relationship. Um, and a few years ago, that really came to light when Mariah's sister um, was in the hospital with, I believe, some kind of brain tumor. Mm. And, you know, at least what was being reported was that Mariah's sister's medical bills were like $300,000 and Mariah wouldn't pay them. And I remember at the time, and Mateo and I have spoken about this, but I remember at the time being like, come on, Mariah, like, just pay your fucking sister's medical bills. Like, no matter what shit you guys have gone through together, you don't need to talk to her. You don't need to even look at her again for the rest of your life, but just pay the damn medical bills. But now reading the book and knowing the details of that relationship, now I can, I understand that a lot better. Will you tell us, will you tell me why? Way worse than I ever thought it was, that relationship. What was the, what was the switching point where you're like, okay, I understand why she didn't pay that for her sister. So first of all, Mariah and her sister have quite an, a significant age gap. They're eight years apart. Mariah's sister's older. And when Mariah, when Mariah's sister was 16, she got pregnant um, with someone who was in the army or something like that. And then he had to get stationed. Was it in Thailand or uh, the Philippines was, or, or the Philippines? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he had to go away and she went with him. So there was this period of time where Mariah's sister, you know, got married to this guy, had a baby, was 16, super young, and then spent, you know, like four years away from the family. Um, And then Mariah's sister comes back um, and she's around 20 now. And Mariah and her sort of making an effort to be a good big sister, or at least that's what Mariah thinks is happening. Um, And her sister and her start developing this really cool relationship that Mariah is like so excited about. But all of this time, Mariah's sister is actually just grooming Mariah to bring her into this sex work circle that's being led by this pimp that at one point like Mariah is alone with in a car at a drive-in and it's just so fucked up. And Mariah even talks about it in the Oprah interview. Like, I mean, her sister was literally grooming her for sex work at 12 years old. I have a question. Was her sister herself groomed though as a child to the point where it was like she was brainwashed? Like what was the impetus for it could have been, because I just watched an SVU episode where this (laughs) piano teacher was molesting people and then they found this kid that was going to testify against him and then they found footage of the person that was going to testify against him molesting another kid at the piano thing with the teacher and they were like what do we do well i think that's a really great question and i think that this is one area that mariah fully doesn't go into so i don't feel like mariah throws 
puts her siblings under the bus. I don't, I think that in the book, she's really coming from this place of trying to understand their own hardships Mm -hmm. and their own difficulties. Because again, because of that big age gap, Mariah's siblings grew up, like spent the first eight, 10 years of their lives without Mariah in the family. And so for those first eight to 10 years of childhood, like God knows the shit that her siblings went through. And even Mariah doesn't fully know, but she does sort of present this idea of, I have a feeling my siblings really went through some shit in those eight to 10 years before she was born. She also also talks a lot about how, you know, this, this book has a lot to do with race and specific Mm -hmm. to people who are, mixed race and people of color and black people and she talked about how her experience being younger versus her sister and brother might have been different because of how they were perceived racially Mm. and she does a very good job like trana says of not throwing her sister and brother under the bus but more so trying to explain at the time contextually what that means to be a black person with a black father living in the 1960s or early 50s or whatever whatever it was and mariah says when she was younger people when she was with her white mother just assumed that she was white and she they she believes that perhaps they had the perception that her life was somehow easier because of Mm. their perception on what her skin color was now mariah obviously goes into detail what it's like because she obviously isn't white and things like her white mother who raised her not knowing how to do her hair not knowing how to uh dress her not knowing how to you know and they lived in complete poverty and and what that struggle was like i mean her brother had anger issues and her sister tried giving her i think her sister gave her heroin when mariah was 12 not heroin, but she gave her some kind of pill. I forget what it was. And I think she also tried to get Mariah to like snort some cocaine. Right. Which is not any better, but it wasn't no. heroin. <laughs> um, um, but I, I have a feeling that just based on the hardships that especially her sister has gone through, you know, like becoming pregnant so young and then entering this life of sex work and not in this empowered way, you know, right. like I think now we're we're used to seeing sex work and rightfully so as like being something that can be really empowering but sometimes it's something that you do out of survival and necessity and i think that that's where her sister was coming from and so in addition to the racial you know hardships that her siblings went through i'm sure there were other things you know but, but actually, Mariah doesn't even know what those things are. Or if she does, she's not, it's not her story to tell. Yeah. Sure. Um, but there's no, fundamentally, just as a family unit, you know, those two parents and those three kids, like really went through hell. So, was yeah, there really any attempt, was there any attempt from the sister, like as Mariah was getting famous to, did they try to like reconnect or was there, did she try to ever extort money from her or what? Oh, the whole family tried to extort money yeah. from her in every possible way. Story, yeah, selling stories to the tabloids. Um, blackmailing saying you Blackmailing. Either. Right. But I think that Mariah, I think, Ooh. I don't know the exact timeline, but I know that there have been different points in her life where she has tried to rebuild those relationships. Even on her 1999 um, Rainbow album, there's a song <laughs> called Petals. 
which, which she is my references favorite. every time, every other yeah. page, she references that goddamn song. I, at one point, I'm reading it, I'm like, it's enough with pedals. <laughs> right, right. Okay, it's enough <laughs> right. already. Right, the Fucking pedals have fallen. And, and I, I never liked pedals. There, I'm saying that out loud right now. Never liked the song. What? Didn't like what she did on Rosie. Didn't like it. What did you say oh about Rosie? Oh my God, I'm shocked. It's like one of my favorite Mariah songs. Well, I like the I lyrics. Like, I don't like the melody. I love all of it. I love all of it. And I think that the reason that I love all of it is because that was always a song that was so clearly personal, right. you know? And that song, even without knowing the full story, always used to get to me on, a, on an emotional level. But what did you it really say about is... Rosie? No, it, she's saying <laughs> she it on the Rosie <laughs> show once. I just, oh, that's my oh, clear oh, memories. Okay. I was like, wow, she's covering a lot of yeah. ground, guys. Like, <laughs> she's talking about her family, her this or that, and be like, and then fucking what she says about Rosie O'Donnell is unacceptable. Wait, let's take a break real quick. We're going to come back and talk more about Mariah Carey. Sounds great. Okay, we're back. Now, Emma and Trana, I have some things about the book that I would like to not criticize, but things that I, I wished were in it. Okay, but bef before you go there. Oh, please. I just, one thing that I find like no one is talking about in regards to the book is that there are parts of it that are actually really funny. Yes. And Mariah has always had like a really great sort of dry sense of humor. She and I feel so like it funny. really comes through in the book. <laughs> and I love that. Don't know this about Mama, but she was really funny. <laughs> I mean, the laughter. I remember. Can I ask one the more laughter. question? Yes. What I happened? So, what happened with the brother? So, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, okay. but basically, one of the last interactions that she had with her brother was sort of during the glitter era, and her brother, who was sort of a con artist, right, was always kind of new sleazy people somehow when all the press was coming after Mariah and Mariah was seemingly having a breakdown, her brother lured her back to her mother's house. And then there was some kind of confrontation, which is the one story in the book where I'm like, there's a lot of holes here. I need, I wish I need someone yeah. to fill in the gaps. Anyways, essentially the brother had the cops call on her and had her sent to some kind of facility that he said was a spa, but it wasn't a spa. And basically it was just, taking advantage of her, exploiting yeah. her, and doing things to her that he could use as blackmail to her But later. did she need an intervention? Yes, probably. So he, so was, but he was not trying to sincerely give her an intervention. No, Correct. I mean, Mariah sort of, I feel like she's hinting at this idea that they were sort of trying to stage what Britney's dad did back in 2007 and sort of get this legal control over the empire. Which know? is, it, it is very complicated because an intervention often, if it was for a sincere reason, the person who's getting intervened on is usually pissed. Like if, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, and there it's against their will. That's why you literally have to intervene. So it's, it can be tough to a little bit nuanced, but sounds yeah. like he was not trying to actually help her. No, no, not at all. And I think like as fuzzy as that part of the book is, um, because like you said, Mateo, like that whole part of the book is 
there's a there's a lot of holes and the way that that story is told like it's almost difficult to follow a little bit mm. because yeah it's what did you say it Trana, just doesn't like, fully make sense it's like a watercolor painting <laughs> it's just like it's all very blurry and streaky what do you guys what do you guys think happened like what do you think do you think she doesn't remember i think that well, what what probably happened is she was having a a, a a physical collapse. She was completely overworked. I believe her on that. I think that she had signed with this new record company and she had the movie Glitter coming out and the album or the soundtrack coming out and it just wasn't living up to the usual Mariah expectations. Mm -hmm. So the studios and the, um, com you know, the, the recording company was pushing her to do more and more and more. And I think she was collapsing. I think probably what happened is, uh, look, I don't want to go out and say something that's probably not true, but it seemed as though maybe there was some kind of other external, I'm trying to word this as properly. Trana, help me out here. There was- Well, I mean, like, there have been long-standing rumors around Mariah and the idea of substance abuse or some yeah. kind of addiction, you know, like, yeah. I mean- Yeah, does she not say no, that? No, she I mean, doesn't address that at all, no. In her, in her MTV Cribs, I mean, she was like, I mean, you can be fucked up and not have a substance abuse problem, but she was blitzed. I mean, oh, I thought she, she was quite normal like, in that. At the end of it, when she's in the bathtub and she's like sinking into the bubbles, she's like, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I remember being like, oh, she's like fucked up. To me, like, I, if there could be wrong, if there was a time where she was really spiraling, Stella. to me, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was like this time period between like 2014 and 2016 2017 it's when she broke her arm and i think it's then was starting to break up with nick and maybe the in quotations allegedly seemed as if there may have been some rumors of substance abuse she was doing strange interviews and erratic yeah. behavior and uh she was managed by this complete nightmare of a woman yeah. stella who completely took advantage of her i will say now mariah seems super healthy yeah she's she really amazing. does sounds amazing whatever happened like what trana said between that time versus right now mariah has come through she mm. seems like a really just good mother likes the work her voice is sounding good she's you know back essentially yeah and the the last album that she came out with caution two years ago is one of my absolute favorites love it so Mo she Green really is my favorite did, song on the album it's so good she really turned things around and i feel like it's rare to see that in show business you know like even well, if you I'll look at madonna why. the way that because <laughs> i've had a comeback yes uh, you nice have nice at the palace mm -hmm. and kate thompson was my godmother she, she was so funny I want to but hear. Like, I mean, like, but Liza never got it back together. You know what I mean? And she's been, she's even been. Madonna, like, I don't know. I don't think Madonna can turn things around the way that Mariah has, you know, for herself. Mm -hmm. I hope she can, but I don't see that happening. Madonna. Well, it takes a hum real humbling to like come through again and again. I think so. Yeah. You know, exactly. I think Madonna yeah. is very, 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 very smart. So I can never underestimate Madonna and what she has in store mm. for the future. But um, as of late, I have a lot of questions uh, for <laughs> Madonna. Um, I want to talk about some things I felt she left out of the book that disappointed yeah. me. Mm. Um, I was disappointed. Okay, 
Mariah Carey is known as one of the greatest voices and arguably the greatest voice of all time. I mean, people think of great voices. They think Whitney, Mariah, Barbara, Celine, um, Aretha, Patty. <laughs> but Mariah is always on that list. And there is there there are natural singers, like folk singers. I would say like Jewel is probably like a natural singer who taught herself and stuff. But the amount of vocal acrobats and vocal triumphs that Mariah Carey not only has made, but the complexities of the human voice and what she can do with it, the amount of embellishments and how technically Mm, mm. difficult she is. She didn't discuss once in the book about studying the voice, teaching herself how to sing. Where did she practice? How did she learn? Who was she trying? All she mentioned once was, I would try and sing up into the sky with Minnie Ripperton. Bitch, that is not a... I wanted, I was ready to hear like when she, not only when she discovered that she had a voice, but how she worked on it because right. the voice is a marvel. So I'm like, you have the world's most incredible voice with a full five octave vocal range. And you give us a half a sentence about how you sang along with Minnie Ripperton. Everyone sings along with Minnie Ripperton. No one <laughs> achieves Minnie Ripperton and better. So to me, I, it was a huge disappointment to not hear about, I loved hearing about her working in the studio and writing songs, but the voice, what, how did you manage to make that machine, that, mon, that, that huge you know, voice, how did you, how did you right. do it? But I think mm-hmm. that's partly because Mariah, for her, the voice has never been the most important part. For her, I think she's so much more invested in the songwriting. And it's mm-hmm. this thing that she feels like for her whole career has never been fully acknowledged. Like she has this big chip on her shoulder about not being recognized as a songwriter. That's why when she's in interviews, she starts every sentence with as a songwriter, blah, really? blah, blah. Interesting. Yeah. So Does she's she... always trying to drive that home. And I think that's part of it. I think that she probably didn't want to focus too much on the voice because I think she's still in this, I demand to be recognized as a songwriter and the voice is secondary to that. Is that, does she throw shade at other singers? Like, does she ever say like, well, like, oh, I write. Yes. I, well, I, mean, I, I, have I know a list. she throws shade, but does she specifically say that? Like, you yes. think that, that's part of the so, reason? To me, one of the funniest parts of the book is that <laughs> J-Lo is basically the Voldemort of this book. Why? Because she will not be named. So even when Mariah, so basically when J-Lo Mariah was- great. I love, I like J-Lo. I think well, she's fun. Mariah will never agree with you on that. <laughs> um, Look, J- everything J-Lo But don't even has, say, you can't even say Jennifer Lopez to Mariah. Like everything she'll lose J-Lo, it. Everything J-Lo has is because she, she worked for it. You know what I mean? It's not like she naturally has a great voice. She naturally has anything. Everything she has, she like, it's, she was like self-created. And I'm like into that. Minimal talent with maximum results that's what i'm going for baby oh so, come on you are more talented than j-lo one <laughs> okay your lips to your lips to god's ears trana i mean, <laughs> I i'll mean, take like, it but <laughs> i feel like the opposite i get sort of enraged when people with no natural talent who just work hard enough get everything um, not get I'm everything like totally <laughs> but i it makes me, but 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 with someone like J Lo, it's not just they like she worked hard enough. Like she, like how someone she was able to do all this. Like that's just like incredible. Like if you, no, it, 
It is, absolutely. And like, I don't mean to like, and I actually do love J. I mean, I hate and love J-Lo at the same right. time. Right, But Mariah like really fucking hates her. And huh. part of it is because when Mariah was working on the Glitter Project and she wrote this song called Lover Boy, um, she had used this sample from this disco song called Firecracker. And at the time of the whole Glitter Project, Tommy Mottola, her ex-husband, and CEO at Sony was really trying to sabotage that whole project because for so long, he tried to make Mariah believe that the reason she was so successful was because of him and his genius marketing and all of that. Right. And right. so for him, when Mariah finally left his label, it's like, if she's still going to be a major success, that tells the world that she never really needed me. So he really wanted to sort of, you know, fuck up that project and make sure that it would fail. Mm -hmm. And part of that was he discovered that she was sampling the song. And then he gave that idea of sampling that song to JLo's producers who then used it for her song, I'm Real. Mm -hmm. And I'm Real came out before Loverboy and then mm -hmm. Mariah had to rewrite the whole song with a new sample. And even when Mariah tells that story in the book, she literally will not name Jennifer Lopez. She's just like a female entertainer who will not be named. A Puerto Rican female entertainer who started the movie <laughs> Selena. I mean, that was essentially what she did. That, now, to be fair, that wasn't J-Lo's fault. Her right. anger at J-Lo is really through Tommy Mottola. Exactly. Right. Mariah's petty. I mean, that, Mariah is so petty. Oh my God. So she also tells this shady story about Celine at oh. the VH1 Divas Live, which is Did one she, of the funniest parts name, of the book. Did yeah, she name she her named, name? No, okay. she didn't actually. She didn't, but it's very obviously mm -hmm. Celine. And you can see the video footage um, on YouTube. But so basically it's VH1 Divas Live. It's a tribute to Aretha Franklin. It's the end of the show. Aretha is doing her thing in all her glory. Um, and... Aretha's doing all of these crazy vocal gospel runs. And then Celine gets the idea to like go up to Aretha and sort of try to match her. And as Mateo pointed out to me when we were talking about it one-on-one, -on -one, like Celine does manage to vocally match Aretha. Like you can't deny that, but it's still so fucking disrespectful of Celine to do that. Totally. Side note, I don't think Celine is intentionally disrespectful. I just think she's a clueless idiot. No, I am But it singing, wasn't harmful. A singer and other singer, we will sing together. Right. It's fun. <laughs> right. She got but excited. Mariah, yeah, like, but Mariah blasts her. But the funniest thing, so this VH1 show happened around 97, 98. And there is an interview with Mariah from around 2001, 2002, where she tells this story exactly the same way that she tells the story in the book. And here we are another 18 years later and Mariah is still not over this moment. You know, like, I can't believe this moment made it into the book. Like she's still holding on to it. It right. makes no sense. Right, right, right. <laughs> I get like, it. Why does she I care? Why does she care this much about this one night? I will because, say the strangest thing mm -hmm. about it, and then Emma, I'm sorry, what were we no, saying, please. Emma? Oh, I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say, no, go. 
She, well, she's notoriously been after Madonna too. Madonna and Mariah have always hated each other. Now Madonna threw daggers first. In the yeah. early 90s, Madonna said in a famous interview, I'd rather kill myself than sing a Mariah Carey song. So when Mariah was interviewed, Mariah said, a reporter asked her about it and said, what do you feel about Madonna's comments towards you? She goes, I haven't really paid attention to Madonna. I used to when she used to be popular when I was young, but not anymore. So they've been at it, right? But Mariah three times in the yeah. book, talks positively about Madonna and mm. mentions Madonna by name. Yeah, I was mm. really surprised. What yeah. does she say? Po- oh, it could be that Madonna maybe apologized. Because... Oh, maybe. Emma, you're right. You know, because maybe that's the gripe no, with Celine. No, that would never happen. No, <laughs> no. Because what if, because part of the gripe with Celine could be, you Mar- know. Madonna would never. It's like if Celine saw the story, maybe now it's like, okay, I told you it was fucked up. You should apologize. And since she hasn't apologized, Mariah Carey's still cooking about it. But Mariah is so passive aggressive that she's definitely never mentioned this to Celine. You know, like Mariah just sort of, like Mateo said, like she's just so petty that she would never have like a one-on-one confrontation with someone, you know? And what either would... way, like Celine didn't, it was stupid, but like, it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like right. they're all on stage together. I personally think the reason that Mariah hates that moment so much is that at that point in time, Mariah's voice was already a little bit on the decline and she mm. could not match Aretha at that point in time. Oh, also, they were on stage together? I thought you meant yeah, Celine Dion. Yeah, they were all, yeah. this was at the oh. end of the show where it all of the them Diva were on Jam stage session. together. Yeah. So it was okay. Gloria Estefan, uh, Shania Twain, who was dressed as Helen Obama Carter from Harry Potter that night, <laughs> um, Mariah Carey, who was wearing that wig that I'll never forget. It's the most notorious. Yeah, the best wig Mariah ever. Wig. Um, and then there was Aretha. For some reason, Carol King was up there because she had wrote uh, Natural Woman for Aretha, and so she was there. And then Celine Dion. And yeah. I think, I believe, because Carol King tells a story about when they were singing Natural Woman, you make me feel. Mm-hmm. They were all supposed to do their parts. And Aretha kept singing over Celine's part. So mm. at one point, Celine, you'll see at the bridge, um, you make me feel so alive. She t- Celine sang Aretha's part, but stole it from Aretha because Aretha had stole a part mm. from Celine. Mm. So then when they went to the Diva Jam session, they're all standing <laughs> there and then they're all singing. And then Aretha bass is going, yeah! And then uh, uh, Celine runs out in her suit and she matches it, yeah! And they go back and forth. Now, Mariah Carey's voice. In 97, it took a, it wasn't, 96 was Mariah's peak in her voice. She was on the okay. Daydream tour yeah. she was in Japan. Her voice was fluid. The, the mix of registers was the best it's ever been. Then she got a divorce and was like, fuck you, Tommy. I'm not living in Sing Sing anymore, which is the house that they had together where she was surveillance and followed everywhere she went. Jesus. And started partying and having a good time and was her young self. Maybe some of that took a toll on the extra precious, don't leave the house, don't do anything but sing in her voice because Mm -hmm. you know that she didn't sound bad at all she sounds incredible but there was a um there was a change in there was a change in mariah's voice around that time Hmm. definitely um Hmm. because that's the only reason that i can imagine why this bothered mariah so much you know like does she really care about aretha being respected that much or is she just like why is celine stealing (laughs) the show you know and here i am in the back 
I mean, and Mariah sort of reframes it as like, she literally says in the book, like, she's like, I felt it was my duty to stand in the back, but I don't really fully believe that. How often do you think she thinks about this? A lot. Every, every six <laughs> because minutes. What, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. what she also adds in the book that she didn't mention in that interview that she did a couple of years after the VH1 Divas Live is that this bothered her so much that she actually called up Patti LaBelle to tell her the story. Um, so in the book, she talks about it. So imagine like, you know, when we do comedy shows and like shit goes down or like there's some kind of drama or like someone was supposed to do 10 minutes and they ended up doing right. 30 minutes and they were a total mess or whatever the, the gossip of the show was. So right. it's sort of the same thing. And after that night, Mariah called Patty LaBelle and was like, Patty, you'll never guess what Celine did tonight. She tried to upstage Aretha. And, and then <laughs> Patty was like, good for you, Mariah, for like going in the back with the background singers. Because if you had tried to upstage Aretha, I would slap you. <laughs> it's so interesting, by the way, that conversation and her relationship with Patty, because Patty and Aretha have been at each other's throats for years. Mm. It's just so, it's right. just so juicy and wonderful. Yeah. It also shows um, that no matter what level you're at, there can always be someone to get under your skin as part of the human condition if you let it, you know, to be yeah. like, what, you know, what's going, what are they doing? Exactly, exactly. And yeah, Mariah is very, very petty. Oh yeah, but I, that's- I remember even seeing like just on like a little Instagram clip, it was from like the 1998 Billboard Awards and Madonna was there as well. And granted, this was a stupid question for the interviewer to ask Mariah backstage, but the interviewer was like, did you congratulate Madonna on her new baby? Because Madonna, you know, had just had Lola. And Mariah was just like, mm, no. Um, you know, Mariah, yeah, Mariah just can't let things go. Uh, we're getting a question from Tyler. Let's answer this question. Let's take one more break and we come back, we'll answer this question. Okay, welcome back. Um, we have a question from Tyler, our wonderful intern. Can you guys think of any newer pop stars that have this much public drama with other performers? Um, who is, isn't there someone, I don't follow things as much, but it doesn't like Megan, who does, isn't Cardi B beefing with somebody? Cardi and Nicki Minaj had a huge. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, for a while. Well, um, Mariah also... and Ariana did for a while. And now oh, yeah. Ariana's rumored to be doing a Christmas song with Mariah this year. So they kind of Whitney Mariah'd it and made it up. And I think that's only because Ariana started like bowing down to Mariah. Mm, mm, you know, like I think that's the only way to get on Mariah's good side is to really sure. praise her, you know? Right. Um, and I right. like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift had drama I together. I that. Yes, I remember um, that. But you know, I think what sucks about the sort of moment in time that we're living in right now is that it feels like everything is so calculated. Mm -hmm. And so even when there are these sort of dramas or feuds that arise between pop stars, you have to question and be like, was this all pre-planned by right. the publicists? And 
But whereas back in the 90s, those feuds were real, you know? You and that's what made them so fun. Like, was there it any, was real. Was there anything in the book that surprised you guys, like, that you didn't know? I would say- I mean, for, all of the family stuff. Yeah, the family stuff. I actually, to, to, you know, I made a lot of jokes about Mariah in my career. And I do because I'm a huge fan of hers and I'm a comedian, that's what I do. But really reading this book, it just humanized her in a way that I know must have humbled her while writing it or mm. telling someone to write it. But um, I think uh, I think it's I think it's definitely very current. I mean, she's talking about race and police brutality and growing up black and you know identity and and I think it's something that definitely sinks in to what's happening today. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very current. One story that I really loved is the entire book. She talked about how no one could figure out how to do her hair. So, you know, yeah. she had her black aunts who had all their, she was thinking she was going to get this makeover, but her hair was too fine for the materials that they were using. And her mother didn't know how to do her hair. The one group of girls that could help her with her hair was a group of Italian women hmm. uh, named the Guidettes, which she went to, hair school with she went to a um, beauty school and she said i love these women and they seem to they i think texturally she said that they had the same hair as her and they taught her how to do her hair and how to right. do her makeup and how to do you know and she just talked very fondly of these guidettes about how these this group of italian long island gaudy women long nails and you know gold chains and she talks about Italians a lot in this book, actually. She talked about how her father made uh, uh, pasta vongole and described the pasta and how much she liked it. And she talks about Italian people and she talks about relationships between huh. you know, her. It was, I just found that to be an uh, interesting part of the book because I thought about uh, all my, well, my aunt is also mixed. You know what I mean? She's Italian and Mexican. So she's always had really textured hair and, and grew up same way she didn't have anyone to tell her how to do her hair hmm. you know she her mexican father left and she only had a white mother and she had this big thick curly mexican hair and she would tell us stories when she was 13 it started coming really curly so she said she just started cutting it because she didn't <laughs> like the curls and then that made it even worse and she's like no one told me how to do my hair and i was like oh that's it you know like hearing one mixed girl from another mixed woman talk about hair which a, is something that i mean i wouldn't it's such have, a like a representation thing too it's like when someone just not knowing how to do like such a basic thing that you need not having that can feel so isolating because other people yeah. obviously take it for granted you know exactly. or i can relate to that like in terms of just in terms of like dressing and not knowing how to dress someone that doesn't like to conform to what the dominant way of dressing should quote unquote should be for you so it's like then you just right. this is something people don't even think about and then you're like oh i don't that doesn't work for me i don't feel right with that it's very isolating yeah totally you know what about you trana what's your what are your final thoughts on mariah's book do you have any how did you relate to it and what did you feel about it and just overall thoughts i mean i think what you said earlier about this book really humanizing her mm -hmm. um I think that was really the biggest thing for me because I think even during, you know, the 90s, like in the peak of her success, like we didn't get a chance to really know Mariah at that time. You know, there was mm. always this aspect of her that was so untouchable, 
you know, mm. and so unknowable as well, because I think that she, her whole career, especially in the 90s, was just nonstop. Like she released an album every single year, you know? There wasn't even time for her to get to know her own self, let alone for us to get to know her. Um, so I really do feel like I know her as much as she wants mm. us to know her. And I think that, you know, I, as corny as it is, I really always just am so moved by these sort of rags to riches stories. Oh, yeah. And it's totally. not even about the achievement. It's not about the success or the money that comes with that, but it's the story of becoming a fully realized person, mm -hmm. you know, within your own existence. And to see someone go from so much pain and trauma and be able to transcend that and turn it into something else, that always is a sort of arc that gets to me, you know? It totally. Just, it just makes you want to stand up and cheer for that person, you know? Even Celine, even when I look back at Celine <laughs> in like the early 90s when like things were starting to get big for her, like it kind of makes me emotional because I think of this like, you know, as Barbara Walters called her, this like little rat, in oh. Charlemagne, Quebec, this little mouse. And <laughs> it, it's like, Barbara there Walters is something some really horrible things. Uh, really people, shady things. But there is just something really moving about watching someone make their wildest dreams come true. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, and Mariah's story is really like one for the ages, honestly. Like it is yeah. a real story. It is a big story. It is a big life. Yeah. You know, and I just found that the whole story very affecting and, and moving and inspiring, mm. you know, like as corny as it is, like I know Mariah's message, especially, you know, with songs like Hero and Through the Rain and Make It Happen. Like when I have something important, like whether it's an audition or just something coming up, like I listen to Make It Happen on repeat and like oh, psych myself out same. to that song. Um, I'm allowed to be so tough. And you think the specifically the 1995 Madison Square Garden live yeah, version. That's so the version good. I listen to. But so it especially in this moment that is so fucking hard right now, mm -hmm. where so many of us were on these trajectories where we were trying to make our own careers and our own dreams come true, and everything feels so sidelined mm -hmm. and almost ruined. Mm -hmm. Reading Mariah's book was this reminder that you really can fucking make it happen, you know? But Amen. I know that's a bit corny, but that really did make me but Mariah feel is reaffirmed corny. and I mean, re-inspired. But that's the thing I love about Mariah. She's corny. Yeah. But mm. she's also the so substance so to it. And so am I, of course. Yeah, me too. Yes. I wonder if she will narrate the audiobook. <laughs> she did. Oh, she did. Oh, great. Oh, I've that's... listened to all the she snippets did. of it. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's great. That, uh, that's really neat. It's funny because when she's talking, she'll be like... Yeah, I might listen to it. You need to because mm. I, I, I have the book and then I have the audio book because I wanted to hear her sing the songs. Mm. So, but it's funny because as she's talking, it's Mariah. Like she does this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, no, I know. 
But I like I know her speaking voice, and not just the sound of her voice, but her inflections. Mm-hmm. Like Darling. just how she speaks. So I could really hear it so clearly in my head when I was reading it, you know. <laughs> And her voice really comes through, like as much as it was, you know, written with a writer, it's very much Mariah's voice. You can hear her when you're reading it. If we could get a book, another autobiographical book, who would you want to write it and why? Emma? You mean with- with Well, Barbara Streisand's supposed to be working on hers. I, the last one I I read Oprah's, Um, who's what I want now? I read Oprah's, I read Michelle Obama's. Love Michelle um, Obama. Yeah, that was pretty, I thought that was really amazing. Oh man, in pop culture where it would be like a behind the scenes, like real look. Okay, you guys are probably gonna really rise to this, but I would like to hear Justin Bieber like talk about his drug use stuff. I would too. Yeah. But that's he, the part they always leave out. I know, yes. but like those videos of him like tweaking out and like in sketchy areas, like or quote unquote sketchy, like areas where it's like, okay, he's probably there getting drugs. Like I've seen done YouTube deep dives on that. I would just be interested to hear about that. I mean, maybe there'll be a time where he will feel ready to share right. that. I don't right. think get that from I think right now he's still in the thick of it. Like it's not right. gonna happen now. Right, right. I but can't I mean cut to imagine 30 years from now. Sure. Oh leave Garrett. I've seen it. Um, right. I <laughs> I can't wait for Streisands. I honestly would love an honest Honest book of Liza Minnelli. I don't think we're ever going to get it. But Liza life. doesn't remember anything that happened. Right. No, she makes it all up. She literally just, it was so funny. And I, we would go to therapy and we'd be in the car. And mama would start saying, what story can I say to the therapist today? And she'd make them up. But she was an entertainer. That's what she did. What about so- Ellen? No. Um, but I mean, Ellen has shared, you know, yes. like, I feel like Ellen's been honest about a lot yes. of her life. I feel like, yeah, I think right. so too. I mean, Madonna is doing something interesting in the sense that she's not writing a memoir, but she's writing her story in the form of a screenplay mm. that's going to mm. be turned into a movie. But I can tell already from like watching these Instagram videos of her working with Diablo Cody that Mm. Madonna has also sold herself a narrative of her life that is not fully the reality that she is just fully attached to and committed to. And I don't think we're going to get truth from her. No, to be honest. She was talking about But I would love to know Madonna's true story. I would really love to know. Absolutely. Madonna, Madonna was talking about her, just like, for example, she was on the Howard Stern show and he was asking her, and she was very guarded, understandably. She was talking about her experience. But that was her most real interview ever. Mm. True. Although she had a mouth guard in the whole time of like a grill and I couldn't understand what yes. the hell she was saying. Yes. Um, there was, a, in the interview, she was describing what happened when she was performing at the VMAs in the wedding dress and said the shoe fell off. And so because the shoe fell off, I rolled around the stage then someone put the real footage up next to her interview on Howard Stern, a complete lie. Really? None of that happened. She was incredibly calculated with the performance. So she didn't slip. There was no shoe falling. She just went out and did it. So I thought, already, like, this is on video. This right. sort of match up 
Well, and the stupidest made-up story that she started telling when she was promoting the Madam X album was that she claimed that when she was at the Martha Graham school, that Martha would always see her around the school. And every time she would see Madonna, Madonna would look different. And so she gave Madonna the nickname Madam X. But Madonna mm. wrote in an essay in 1994 for Bazaar that when she was at the school, she always dreamed of running into Martha, but that oh, she shit. only ran into her once and they didn't even speak. So, Ooh. you know, but I don't get it. What's the point of making right. up a story that makes no sense? She doesn't know then, because if she was really thinking about it, it's like these things will be fact checked. She's and they are, you know, yeah. so she's she's just tricked. She's convinced herself. Exactly. But that's, that's why I know. don't think there's much hope that we're going to get right. anything real in right. this biopic, you know? Yeah. That's Which is a shame because what's crazy is that Madonna has saved like all of her old demo tapes and all of her diaries from like oh, wow. the late 70s and early 80s coming to New York. Like just publish that. That'd like, be amazing. Give us that stuff. That'd be amazing. Um, well, I think that this is... Um, yes, this thank been, you so uh, much. Yeah, um, I want to... I wanna, well, real quick, I just want to say for listeners, I'm doing the Howard Stern show tomorrow. Woohoo! This is something I've never done before. I am a big Stern fan. I've been listening to it for years. This um, is so crazy. It's so exciting. Crazy. I'm going to be talking to Howard Stern tomorrow. I mean, this is, I'm, I, I never get nervous. Tran and Emma, you both know this about me. I never get nervous for anything. I'm very nervous. Um, so I have to go downstairs because one of the Howard Stern people are here to give me stuff to go. Oh, oh the equipment. So they come to you and like set it up for you? Yeah, he just texted wow. me. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna, I, I should go back. That being that, said. Yeah, that is luxurious. <laughs> that being said, I am promoting only this show. Thank so you so much. This show will, will be put up Thursday and I go on tomorrow. So people who listen to the show, cause they replay the Howard Stern show throughout the week. Right. This will probably be a, a, a a hot spot, like a heavily downloaded Woo-hoo! show. So I can, I'm super stoked that Trana, you were on this episode. Me too. If people are going to listen to this podcast, Emma and I are thrilled to have you be on here because absolutely, you, you apparently you and Patty are our most frequent guests. So we'll have to get yes. you both on the show. Yes. Oh my God. Thank, thank you. you for being on the show with us today. Oh my yes, God. Are you. you kidding me? I love you guys so much. Like and so much. So every time is honestly the biggest joy. Where can people find you online and catch up with all your stuff? I mean, I'm pretty much just on Instagram. Um, you know, it's just my name, Trana Winter, on Instagram. And if you want to see me unraveling, you can follow me on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. where, like, the real shit is. Really? I, I never, I don't go on Twitter, but I will go on Twitter to watch that. I mean, maybe I'm overhyped. It's not, like, Mariah Glitter level, but <laughs> right. it's, you know, it's going it is down. what it is. All right, very yeah. fair. Well, thank you so much. Thank you both. Uh, also, Tran and I are planning on doing like our own special, our own Barbara Walters special oh, on great. the Mariah Carey book where we can really <laughs> go in depth on this. So please be on the lookout for that. Tran, I'm going to call you this week. And now that I'm finished with yeah, the book. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We can, Too funny. can dig in. That's great. Uh, Emma, anything you want to promote? Nope, nothing. I'm just, I'm, I've been doing a lot of shows in LA, but you know just plugging along uh, Tyler is there anything you want to promote 
if someone wants to give me a full-time job with healthcare, big, big up. Yes. Okay, guys, I mean, get on it me too. give Tyler a full-time job with healthcare. I've been freelancing my company for a year. All right, that's it. Okay. Um, all right. I thanks. love the practicality of that. I love yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You, Y'all are so wonderful. And um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya.